What's this looking like on the ground, right? Like, how are people being made into high resolution versus low resolution citizens through these processes of actually implementing ADAR, through these processes of enroll, enrolling people into it, of seeding, uh, you know, other databases and doing a deduplication, uh, you know, once people get enrolled. So everything is just controlled by everything is just reliant on this one centralized Aadhaar unique identifier and, and then authentication, right? How do you go through the process of, of, of proving people are who they say they are? Uh, I, I want to read a, an, a, a, a kind of a longish quote here, uh, a long paragraph from some ethnographic work that uh, an anthropologist I mentioned before, Ursula Rao, did on Adar, um, where she was accompanying um, social workers providing services to homeless people, uh, trying to, and, and, and she was observing their efforts in trying to enroll homeless people into Adar, right? I mean, we're talking about, you know, the people that this system is meant to supposedly include into the government and, you know, and thus provide them with that, that, that ticket, that membership, that access to getting, you know, social services that they need around food subsidies, housing, stuff like that. This is just extremely revealing about how the uh, the system starts breaking down from the very beginning, and uh, at when when it tries to uh, include people at the margins into it. You know, she she's talking about her observations in some of the enrollment stations, the Adar enrollment stations in poor neighborhoods in East Delhi, and and talking about how the you know these young technicians at these enrollment stations in, in charge of, of, you know, taking people's biometric data, taking their demographic data um, to put them in the ADAR system, what kind of problems that they came up against. So she says, you know, quote, they were not sophisticated technicians handling advanced computer technology at a distance from the social body. Instead, they found themselves forced to adopt a hands-on approach and twist and turn the uncouth bodies of homeless citizens to create decent data sets. The fingers of laborers were a never-ending source of annoyance. Lost fingers, damaged fingertips, and rubbed-off skin contours made fingerprints unrecognizable to a system that posits healthy young bodies as the norm. Age, exposure to nature, and hard manual labor had worn off those marks that were perceived as infallible signs of physical individuality. The first effort at encoding usually failed. Enrollers became imaginative and developed tricks to read fingers that resisted instant transparency. A wet towel was passed from person to person. Rub your hands more strongly, they would repeat up to five times to produce a sufficiently detailed reading. Persons with damaged hands had to wait for a specially authorized enroller who could certify their disabled status to arrive. The person never showed up. All those bearing the marks of the high-risk construction industry in the form of deep scars, severed fingers, or mutilated hands remained excluded. A little horrifying. A little horrifying. 
And she talks about how, like, uh, you know, to, to quote again, tireless repetition substitutes and the acceptance of a high error rate became pragmatic solutions that folded deviant bodies into an electronic system of recognition. You know, right from the beginning, this first process of enrollment, we already see how these, you know, quote unquote, uncouth bodies, right? The, the bodies of people at the margins, homeless people, hard manual laborers, uh, were resistant to being enrolled in the system, but it wasn't because they themselves were, were resisting enrollment in, in a, in a direct way of, you know, avoiding avoiding it in some way, but rather, you know, they were trying to provide the data the system demanded, but the system was not designed in a way that had those people in mind. They were not the subjects, the ideal users of Adar, and the system wasn't designed for those ideal users. And so these frontline workers at these enrollment stations, you know, they just be, they become annoyed. She talks about how class differences, uh, really, you know, reared its head here where the, the kind of middle class technicians, you know, looked down upon the lower classes that they were trying to enroll, become, became annoyed with them, uh, you know, turned them away, just said, you know what? A high error rate is just the, you know, that's the pragmatics of a system like this. And we talk, we talked about our Already how, you know, even an error rate of 1% with a system like this is, you know, 13 million plus people that are excluded. We can already see the system starting to fall apart at the very first instance of trying to just enroll people into the system. And I, and you know, it's like we're talking about, right? The system is constant. I think that also gives it an interesting dynamic too. I mean, there's some overlap, right? Between the way that class rears its ugly head in when you are applying for welfare through the state versus when uh, frontline workers or Ardar's, Ardar's, um, you know, appendages are getting you to sign on um, to the resolution system, the way in which uh, like categorical judgments or weird judgments about whether or not you actually belong still enter into the fray, right? Which I think also gets back to that earlier discussion we had about how, you know, when I playfully asked if there's any way that this could work (laughs) without (laughs) turning into surveillance, and you said not without the safeguards, right? One of the safeguards goes against like the very core of it, which is like just by the virtue of the way that a lot of these bureaucracies and a lot of the way that the, whether it's the state or the infrastructure, um, collect data or try to uh, categorize data, um, they're dealing with people who are going to deal with people who are much likely, like almost always in a lower class position than them, right? And in need of some type of service or in need of some type of good. And, uh, in one way or another, going to get shamed for it eventually, right? Shamed either mm-hmm. for not having the proper documentation, shamed for not being able to, uh, be read, to be legible, shamed for, um, not doing it correctly, shamed for this, that, or the third, right? Which, in of itself probably plays just as much a role in exclusion as does simply being a little too human for the data categorization system to flatten correctly. Exactly. You know, Ursula Rao in, in this ethnography also talks about how, you know, you, you were talking about earlier about how like um, people trying to apply for you know, welfare benefits and so on, you know, having problems with the application process. And that's by design, right? These systems are designed to, to, to stand in people's way, to be so obtuse 
especially in a in a place like the U.S. where you know the forms are so complex and so long and so intrusive, and they want so much documentation that no reasonable person would ever have. Um, but there is also the flip side of that as well: is uh, we see so many cases of people not applying for things that they're eligible for because they didn't know that they could apply for it. Rao talks about how, you know, in, in some of her conversations with um, homeless people being enrolled in Adar and in her efforts in trying to help them get enrolled, right? They talk about how, like, why, why would homeless citizens sign up for Adar? Why would they get their unique identification? She, there's a, a quote, a, a little conversation here that Ursula had with, um, uh, with a, with a person named Raju, where, uh, so Ursula says, why did you enroll in, uh, UID, unique identification? Raju, we will get an identity card. Ursula, how does that help? Raju, the police won't harass us. Ursula, what else can you do with the card? Raju, I don't know. You tell me. You know, and and so for for them it was about like uh, by being made visible, the police won't harass me. I don't know what else I can do with it, right? Like I don't know. You tell me. Are there other services I can access with this card? All I know is that um, I'm sub I'm subjected to police harassment all the time. I'm invisible to the state, but I'm highly visible to the police. Uh, and, but by getting this Aadhaar identity card, the police won't harass me. And, and that, that's the best that I know I can do with it. Right. Like that is in itself, a uh, really interesting, uh, you know, aspect here of like, how is this, how does this actually work in terms of, you know, universal inclusion and, uh, into state services instead for the, you know, for the person that uh, Ursula Rao was talking to, it's about like, I just want to be made visible to the state so that I can become less visible to the police. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's one, that's a crazy way to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thank you.